that you had a uh, great Thanksgiving. Uh, my wife and I uh, traveled all the way to California for Thanksgiving to be with our daughter and grandson. Uh, we flew from Buffalo to Los Angeles. Uh, California is not exactly the place you want to be right now, but uh, we had a great time uh, with them uh, spending uh, Thanksgiving. There were 180 seats on our plane from Buffalo to L.A., and 60 of them were taken, that's all. And coming home, it was a little scary because uh, one woman on the plane had even an entire hazmat suit on. I stayed far away from her. I wasn't sure why she had that on, but uh, I wasn't going anywhere uh, near her. And uh, then we uh, had uh, COVID tests in California and COVID tests when we came back. And uh, so it was uh, a great trip and worth it. I hope you have had a great uh, Thanksgiving as well. And I guess it's okay for me today to say Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Because here at church, uh, the start of the Christmas season is not November 1st, by the way, or even before. But for us, the start of the Christmas season is our ladies' coffee talk, which took place yesterday. And uh, even though it was a little bit different than normal, uh, the ladies had a great time. And uh, there were uh, some here in the auditorium and a lot uh, online. And so that begins our Christmas season. And uh, so thank you, ladies, for kicking that off, and Merry Christmas to uh, all of you. So we begin today to do what we're referring to as our Advent uh, theme for the next four uh, services. And uh, I'm sure that you know that uh, Advent is a liturgical term, and uh, it really, in most cases, involves uh, four weeks in which we celebrate, first of all, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. And so that's what, you know, Christmas is about. We celebrate uh, a birthday. We celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But Advent is not only about the celebration of uh, the birth of Jesus, it also is a celebration where we exercise faith in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus, the second advent. And so when we think about advent, we not only think about the birth of Christ, but we think about this expectation that we have that Jesus will come again. We've sung about that over the years, and we look forward to that time when the Lord comes back. And so this begins then, these themes that are related to Advent. I want you to notice that there are four of them behind me. Today we're focused on faith. And there's a strong connection, however, I'm sure you realize that, between the first and the second. And we'll even read some scripture today that both of those words are in the account 
And so uh, we talk about faith, we talk about hope, we talk, and if you don't have faith and hope, then clearly you're not gonna have joy and you're not gonna have peace. And so these are four themes, four words, if you will, that we're going to focus on. Now you realize that words are important and words can get pretty messed up sometimes. And so we're going to talk after we look at the scripture of really what's the explanation uh, for the word faith. I was thinking about words throughout this, this week and how oftentimes the world itself kind of robs us of certain words. Have you ever noticed that? We're, we're afraid sometimes to use certain good words even because the world, a sinful world, has really put a spin on those words and they use that word, not how it is truly defined, but to convey or communicate uh, a certain belief or thought. And as Christians, we're opposed oftentimes to those words. Generally speaking, we will not use a word that if we lived 50 years ago, we would use that we had a gay time because that word has changed meanings. The word affairs. When I first began to uh, uh, work at a college, I was vice president for student affairs until we started to get calls, and not just our college, but other colleges would get calls. And uh, we'd say, you know, good morning, welcome to student affairs. And, and on the other line, they'd say, yeah, I'm calling because I'd like to have one. And so we had to change it. Now you see the scripture, however, calls what the world calls affairs today, that you know what it calls it? They call it, a, scripture calls it adultery. Sounds a little different, doesn't it? I used to do this in counseling all the time. People would come in and say, I had an affair and my marriage is in trouble. So you've committed adultery. And sometimes they'd get mad at me for using that word. I said, no, that's what the scripture calls it. They said, well, okay, if that's the word you want to use. No, it's God's word. It's not, quote, an affair. Now, we don't even use the word affair today because of the spin the world has put on that word. We have other words as well. The whole issue, and this isn't evil, but, you know, I had COVID tests. I was so happy to hear that I was negative. How often are you happy that you're negative? Only when you have a test, you see. I remember uh, watching a sitcom years ago and this individual was sick and he went to the doctor and they ran all kinds of tests. The doctor had him come back in and he said, your test came back negative. And the individual went crazy. Oh no, what do I have? No, no, negative, he said, was a good word when it comes to a test. I want you to know that these four words behind me are biblical words with biblical themes. And we need to be careful that we don't begin to define faith or hope or joy or peace according to the word, we, according to the world. We need to define it like God does. And so today we begin with this theme, this word of faith that we find throughout the scriptures. And every other term that we're going to be using here is built on the foundation of faith. And so this becomes an extremely uh, important 
a word. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me uh, to the book of Hebrews, first of all. We're going to read a few verses in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and chapter 11. And then we're going to look at the book of James and just take uh, note of a few uh, verses there that really focus on this whole issue of uh, Advent faith, faith as Scripture defines it. And so, first of all, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, and verse 35, uh, here's what we, we read. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. And so when we talk about faith, we're talking about confidence. We'll come back to that, which has a great reward. And so God wants us to know that faith is important and there's a reward in our lives, there's benefits in our lives when we exercise not only saving faith in regards to salvation, but when we exercise faith on a daily basis. Then I want you to just drop down to chapter 11, and I want to uh, just read uh, verse 1 and then verse 6. Verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so that verse clearly informs us that faith is talking about us having a certain assurance. This verse ties together the whole issue of faith and hope. And so when we talk about hope next week, we'll realize that hope is, is not just something that we do, it's something that we have. And hope in scripture more often is a noun than anything else. It is something that as Christians we have and we exercise faith in that hope. But he also tells us here, when we think about faith, that faith is, is something we hope for even at times when we can't see it, we can't taste it, we can't hear it, we can't feel it. And so we exercise faith when there are things that we are hoping for, things that have been promised even, that we do not have, so to speak, in our hands at the time. If you owe me money and you come to me and say, hey, trust me, have faith, I'll pay you. Well, okay, you know, I guess I have to think, all right, now has he paid me back in the past? and Is he trustworthy and so forth? But uh, somehow I either have to throw faith away or uh, I, I have some faith in you and I believe that you're going to pay me back, but I don't see it. Now, if you came to me and say, you know that money that I owed you? I owed you that $100? Here it is. Now, unless I think you are giving me bad bills, it doesn't take any faith for me to accept that. I believe it because you're handing it to me. I see it. I can feel it. So he wants us to know that when we're talking about faith, though, we're talking about having an assurance, a confidence, even when we don't see what we need or what we are hoping for. Verse 6 tells us this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Some scriptures, some translations talk about diligently seeking him. 
Now, in the book of James, I just want you to take note of of really three verses in chapter two of the book of James, because he talks about uh, faith. And he tells us, first of all, in verses 18 through to 20, really, he, he says, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless or dead? And so what James is emphasizing is this, that if we say we have faith in God, we have confidence in God, we trust God, and it it doesn't show in our actions, our attitudes, and our affections, then our faith is actually dead or useless. And so we need to make sure that if we have faith, that it is action-oriented faith. Now, think with me then, first of all, about Advent faith and the explanation of faith. And so, you know, how would you, and you don't have to answer this, but how would you fill in the blank of this? Faith is, what would you put next? What word would you use? What phrase would you use to explain or define faith? Well, in the New Testament, the New Testament word that is used is used of us having a belief, but a belief with the prominent idea of trust or confidence in God and in God's word. And so you and I need to realize that when we talk about faith then, that we, we are talking about trust. That we, if we have faith in God, we trust him. If we have faith in God, then we have confidence in him. If we have faith in God, then we have this belief, this assurance that God is going to be faithful to all of his promises, everything that he says in his word. And so... Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 then tells us then that faith is not, you know, just a feeling. It's, it's not something we can see or touch or smell. It's unseen and that there is a connection then between trusting God and having hope. And so, do you ever tell people, trust me? I'll say this to Elaine sometimes and Elaine's no, Elaine, because she's been married to me so long, knows what, when to trust and when not to trust. And sometimes I'll say to her, trust me, I know what I'm doing. And she laughs because she knows it's not a true statement. It's not based on fact. We hear all the time that we need to do things today based on science, based on data. Well, sometimes faith in certain people, at least for certain things, isn't based on data. And so sometimes we, we say, well, you know, trust me, you know, I, I know what I'm doing when in fact we shouldn't trust. And so here, however, we're talking about having faith in God. In the book of Jude, second to the last book of, of the Bible, we're told that we are to contend or fight diligently for the faith. 
When I think about faith and explaining faith, I think what God is saying to us is this, that we have to realize that faith matters. That would be really the title of my message today, faith matters. But I think what he's saying is this as well, that we need to have faith in the faith. And what is the faith that we're to fight for? It is believing in the gospel message and not messing that message up. It's believing the words of God. It is us having a confidence in God, his plan, his purpose, his power, his promises. It's us having confidence in God's word and God's way and God's will for our lives and for others. And so we're individuals that, who need to understand truly the, the biblical concept of what faith is, is truly all about. Well, the second thing I want you to think about today is this, this Advent faith and examples. And clearly there are some great examples of Advent faith. It can start with the, the lives of, of Zachariah and uh, Elizabeth. We've talked about them before when we talked about John the Baptist as a supporting role. His parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, even though God had not spoken directly to man for some 400 years, believed God. They exercised great faith in God. It wasn't a perfect faith, but they had great faith in God. It wasn't a complete faith because none of us, while we're here on this earth, will have perfect, complete faith. We we kind of mess up sometimes because our faith isn't as strong as it ought to be and growth means that we're growing in our faith. But they were two parents who believed God and because they believed God, they exercised great faith in the way they behaved and in their actions. We could talk about Joseph. You know, I I love uh, Joseph of Joseph and Mary. I I think uh, Joseph... And, you know, in my mind, uh, he believed God in such confusing times. We, we clean up the Christmas story a lot. And uh, we, we just want it to be about this cute little baby in the manger. But there's a lot of issues going on in the whole story of the first advent. And you take, take Joseph, for instance, and his walk of faith was not an easy walk, was it? I mean, the person that he was going to marry was with child and he knew it wasn't his. What's he do? And uh, when you think about him, you know, it's just uh, in this supporting role, how he exercised great faith. And every time God spoke to him about doing something in faith, he, he behaved, he believed and, and he acted. And decisions that Joseph made where God had spoken to him, in dreams especially. He obeyed, and they were key decisions in the life of of, uh, Mary and Jesus. And so we could talk a lot about about him. And then we could talk a lot about Mary, couldn't we? Um, Mary exercised great faith, but Mary also had an angel come to her and communicate to her and tell her, you know, about uh, this baby that she was carrying. And uh, what jumped out at me as I thought about Mary this, this week was, was this, that Mary had great faith. She believed, but she also realized she needed help. 
And so when you, when you uh, look at uh, this whole first Advent uh, story, and you think of uh, Mary in Luke chapter uh, 1 and verse 30, 30, uh, or 39, this is after the angel had spoken to Mary. And here's what Mary did. And in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And so you know who she spent time with? Elizabeth. She, she needed Elizabeth's probably comfort and, and encouragement. She needed someone to help her even with her faith. You and I need that as well. And so here, here we find that uh, she looked for someone to uh, help her sort out all the things that she had to deal with. And who did she look for? Well, she looked to someone who was older, someone who was wiser, so, someone who could really say, Mary, I love you, I believe, and you need to do what God has told you to do. What about your faith? Do you realize that your faith impacts other people or lack of it? See, our faith doesn't just impact our lives, it impacts others. And so Mary and, and Elizabeth here were, were such great examples of that. And we could talk about others, couldn't we? Jumps out to me about uh, in, in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16 through 18, where we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and I love that they said that they knew God was able to deliver them. And uh, because of that, they trusted him regardless of what was going to happen. And so there are great examples of faith in Scripture. In fact, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, then, we're, we're told in chapter 12 that we, we need to realize that all the people of faith in the past, in a sense, are witnesses to us, encouraging us, cheering us on, you see, that you can do it. I did it, you can do it. And so... We need to realize that Scripture gives us great examples. Well, then when we think about Advent faith, I think we, we think about certain encouragement. But what's that encouragement? I think the encouragement is this, that we can celebrate Advent and exercise faith while we're waiting. Do you realize that, that waiting is such a key issue when we think about Christmas and we think about uh, the first Advent? So when we think about this encouragement, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, celebrating Advent means learning how to wait. Do you like to wait? I can admit that I hate waiting for anything. Even while I was out at, uh, uh, in California, trying to get my daughter, just, I don't know why, but I tried to get, I knew she bought me a present. I needed it right then and there. And she wouldn't give it. She's learned not to give it to me or tell me what. No, she says, I'm not even, I'm, not, I'm giving mom hers to take back, but I'm sending yours because I can't trust you. And I'm terrible. I, I have to admit, I'm really bad at this. I said, well, what if I'm not alive by Christmas? I use everything, see? And she just laughs. But let's face it, we don't like to wait, do we? And yet, waiting is such a part of our faith. Psalm 27, verse 14 says this, wait for the Lord, be strong and courageous. Wait for the Lord. 
And so when you think about the whole issue of, of Advent and the encouragement, I think, is that we wait. We, there's a delay and we have to exercise faith. We expect everything, however, right when we want it. We, we talk about fast food and even when we stop to get fast food, if it's not fast enough, we're complaining. You ever complain in, in uh, traffic? I have no complaints right now about traffic here in Syracuse after being in Los Angeles. And when I complain here about traffic, my daughter laughs at me. She says, yeah, remember California. But we hate any delays. But you see, what, what are you waiting for? I want you to realize that God's timing is the right timing. And when we think about Advent, we think about the birth of Jesus. The key verse then is Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 and 5. In essence says this, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son into this fallen world. You know what the fullness of time is? The right time. Not my right time, your right time, God's right time. Then when we think about Advent... I think we have to think about exhortations here. What does he exhort us to do? Well, I, I want you to realize that when we talk about this whole issue of exhortation, that it, it doesn't take much faith to get God's attention. Do you realize that? I got thinking about that too. You know, we talk about faith and all, but it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to get God's attention. And so, you know, what do you think about when, when we think about Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, when Jesus is talking to his frustrated followers, he says that they need to have faith. And what's the faith? It's the size of a what? Mustard seed. And so you think about Noah, for instance. And you think about how Noah, by faith, built an ark. And so... The exhortation is this, that if you believe me, then you need to act. You realize that the book that we call Acts isn't called feelings. It isn't called a lot of other things that it could have be, be called. It's not even called beliefs. It's called what? The acts of the followers of Jesus. And so when we exercise faith, if we have faith, then there needs to be that action. Noah's a great example, isn't it? When God speaks to Noah, he says, build a boat. A what? Well, an ark. Well, what's an ark? He didn't go to the marina and say, well, let's check out the boats in the marina. And when he started to build that ark, people thought, well, this guy's crazy. But you see, he believed God, and because he believed God, he acted. He did what God wanted him to do. You and I need to be careful. Let's not talk about us being men and women of faith if we're not willing to follow God and act on God's word. And so you and I need to realize that we have this exhortation that faith fuels action. Genuine faith, I think, enlightens our minds. It encourages our hearts. But in regards to this, 
It emboldens our action. The more faith that we have, the stronger our faith, the more we're going to do what God wants us to do. The more we're going to act the way God wants us to act. The more we're going to have attitudes that honor and glorify him. Our affections will change and we will love what God loves when our faith grows. Well, last, but uh, surely not least, I want to just conclude with Advent faith as it relates to experience itself. I read this week one of our, the words of one of our founding fathers, and one of our founding fathers said this, my most cherished possession I wish I could leave you is my faith in Jesus Christ. For with him and nothing else you can be happy. But without him and with all else, you will never be happy. Faith. Some of you know that uh, I am friends with uh, the four young guys, they, they're not young anymore, but at one time they were. The four young guys who make up uh, the singing group for him. And for him uh, had a Dove Award uh, for a song that was on the Christian top 10 list for weeks. And the name of the song was Where There Is Faith. They wrote the song. Here's how the song goes. Where there is faith, there is a voice calling. Keep walking. You're not alone in this world. Where there is faith, there is a peace like a child sleeping. Hope everlasting in he who is able to bear every burden, to heal every hurt in my heart. It is a wonderful, powerful place where there is faith. Let's pray. 